So All Out this year had a lot of good, a lot of bad. We're going to talk about both and see if this show was really good or bad next on the Squared Circle Cycle Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, let's start positive. What was some of the good from this show, AEW All Out 2020? I think the second half of the matches were actually pretty good, starting with Sheeta and Thunder Rosa. I think from that point on, it really started to pick up. Um, I think that the match between FTR, Kenny Omega, and Hangman Page, I think obviously there were a lot of good things to happen as far as storyline progression in that. Uh, the Young Bucks earlier in the night, they had a really good match. Uh, I, I think that the storyline between those two, Kenny Omega building forward, I think there's enough good to come out of this where people are going to look back on this and think that it was a decent pay-per-view. Like you pointed out, I do think there were a few flaws throughout the night that I think people are certainly going to remember as well. I totally agree. There's, I agree with you that the fact that the second half of this show was a lot better than the first half of this show, starting with that Thunder Rosa versus Akaru Shida match. I, I even tweeted this out on our, our, pod, our Twitter page saying that this is not just important for the women's division, but just to get this show back on track. And this followed the Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara match, which we will talk about later on in the show. But this Thunder Rosa Hikaru Shida match, we'll start off with this. I think this match did deliver like the rest of the title matches that we got, Ralph. I think that Thunder Rosa looked very, very good. I am surprised, though, Hikaru Shida did beat her clean. What do you think about that? I wasn't surprised simply because of the fact that she is going into uh, AW's backyard in, in Daly's place and facing Sheeta, who is but the women's champion. You know, if True. Thunder Rosa decides to go back to, to NWA and does not work for AEW, let's just say she never goes back to AEW, doesn't work any more matches there. Well, now you've had somebody from a rival company go into your company and pin your champion. So what does that say about your champion? You know, so I think that the whole point of this was for Thunder Rosa to look really good and to have she go over. I think that NWA, while it's probably, well, it certainly is, has a lot more history and maybe be, might be more prestigious than AEW as a whole because AEW is still relatively new and young. Um, I think that right now AEW is bigger than the NWA. I think that her going on to a pay-per-view like this, you know, is an opportunity to really get some national exposure beyond what she would normally get. So I think that her being in this position looking good is still enough for Thunder Rosa to come out of this looking good. Sheeta wins the match, so she looks strong. And I guess we're going to see what happens going forward in the future if there's any other type of NWA, AEW, interpromotional type matches. Uh, but no, I definitely think this was a good, strong match and definitely much needed from some of the flaws that happened prior to it. I, I totally agree. It definitely started the upward trend for All Out after this match. I thought this was a very, very good match. And Thunder Rosa looked good. Eda getting the win is still a big win. I just was surprised that it was clean. And as soon as I heard that it was a 60-second time limit, I knew that, unfortunately, it wasn't going to a time limit draw like I predicted. But you know what was a, a pleasant surprise from this show, Ralph? And that What's was that? the match afterwards. The eight-man tag. Yeah, I agree. What a pleasant surprise here. And I even said this on our live preview that I hope this match is like 10 minutes, you know, quick, you know, Brody Lee wrecks house and leaves kind of thing. But it ends up being a totally different match. A lot of storytelling in this match. A lot of good tag team action in this match. 
you could hear the fans reacting to some of the heelish tactics of the Dark Order. That was very, very good. And it was a great match with a great finish and a great promo from Dustin Rhodes afterwards. So you got you to gotta give them props for, for having very little build to this. It delivered significantly. What yeah. a great match. And we talk about this all the time on the show. Sometimes simple is better. This wasn't overbooked. There wasn't a lot of crazy flips and dives and spots like that. It really was just a straightforward, simple match with a psychological approach where they work their high spots in and they work the hot tags. Uh, the, the difference between this type of match and a match that you might see on Dynamite is a lot of the individuals in this match have a ton of experience. So you got Dustin on one side. You got Scorpio Sky, who to me, even though he hasn't necessarily worked in like a big promotion like a WWE or anything like that, right. he definitely gets the psychological aspect of these matches and just is a great worker overall. Yep. Uh, Brody Lee, he certainly benefited from his time in WWE. Uh, the psychological aspect of him teasing Brandy outside the ring, doing those heelish types of things. Evil Uno, even to his credit, I know a lot of people aren't really necessarily big on him. Um, some of the things he did, like getting the ref distracted while he would choke the guy with the tape, yeah, uh, around his his uh, his uh, wrist there. So there was a lot of different things going on that I liked about this match. It wasn't overbooked. It didn't become like a whole, you know, everybody's in the ring and just kind of crazy um, spot like car crash. It wasn't yeah, a car yeah, crash. You didn't, you didn't get that. It seemed like they actually worked to try and establish the guys and make them all feel dominant and special and pick their spots, which was good. Um, I, I, I don't dislike the ending. I, I, I think that having the dark order lose, especially after Brody Lee winning such a, a high profile match against Cody and taking the title is unfortunate because you want to take these guys serious. There's not really any shame in it. I think that he's probably going to rebound nicely against Dustin on dynamite. Uh, I, I, I like it because it, 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 it made sense. It like did. somebody, you know, that, um, Hulk Cabana going out there and trying to steal the shine and steal the, the highlight spot after Brody Lee already laid waste to the guy. It made sense that that, that type of thing would happen. So um, interesting little thing there. I know some people are kind of crapping on that, saying the Dark Order looks stupid now. but Not really. You know. like, I don't see them looking stupid. I actually love the finish of this where Brody, like we saw before, Brody Lee would do the damage and then tagging Cole Cabana to improve his self-confidence he got a little too confident and it affected the win and i love how afterwards Brody lee got pissed walked out but at the same time you have evil uno who at when the dark order first started was the leader of the faction or the tag team right and he goes and kind of consoles Cole cabana like listen we know how rough Brody can be shake it off we'll get him back next time i, I did like that dynamic and it Makes you, you know, get more interested in what the Dark Order is all about. And ever since Brody Lee got in, I definitely have drawn more interest in the Dark Order. I know some people still aren't fans of the Dark Order, but I'm okay with it. And I love this finish personally. And this was a great surprise. Yeah. And Dustin's promo afterwards, very passionate, very exciting, very good promo. And just helped with the progression of the show afterwards. Very good job there. So yep. I think another good match of the night without a shadow of a doubt was the AEW Tag Team Championship match, Ralph. Kenny Omega, Adam Hangman Page versus FTR. And I will say that 
easily, easily the match of the night. What do you think of this heel turn or turn of Kenny Omega afterwards? Uh, I think we're still getting the slow burn. You know, we talked about this on our on our show before the the pay-per-view, and we felt like we were going to actually see the full-blown heel turn. And I think we got certainly the tease that they're teasing some type of tension. What I found interesting was they were laying it on pretty thick with the Young Bucks. And when Kenny Omega walked out on Hangman Page, they were almost trying to be the voice of reason, telling them to come back in. Now we'll sit down, we'll talk about it, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I think that the match itself was great. I think that the only thing that hurt this match was the lack of crowd. You know, I, I know yeah. they had live fans there, but from everything we've read from people there in attendance, it was really the heat and humidity that sucked the energy out of the night. That on top of the Matt Hardy spot, which we'll get into. Right. Um, you know, a, a match like that with as grueling as it was, as back and forth or has um, as, as many near falls as it had, especially with Hangman Page kicking out of such big moves time after time after time. It, it, it was difficult to gauge the room and how people would react to it. I, it was a good match. I know it was a good match. And I think a lot of people feel the same way, but it's almost like how good it, how good could it have been if they had a live audience there and it was packed and people could react to all that stuff. So I definitely think that hurt. I thought that Kenny Omega delivered one of his better matches and performances, especially given that he was working an injury with the leg. I love the way that, uh, was it Dash, Dax, or Cash that got the pin at the end? It was Cash. Cash. So Cash got the pin. Kenny Omega was selling the leg injury the entire time, really making it seem like he got beat up, and then he literally stared at Kenny Omega during the pin, kind of like, you can't even get to me to break up this pin if you wanted to, and it was just kind of like a heelish thing to do. So I, I thought the match itself was very good. Yeah, it, it was great classic tag team wrestling, and they got their spots in, and that that... I don't know what you want to call it that Adam Hangman Page did on on Dax Harwood. Fall away slam off the, the fall top away rope. slam off the top rope. Thank you. Yeah, that was an amazing spot. Hangman Page looked amazing. The scent time was good uh, to the outside. Yep. yep. He was, you know, the spots were there. And like we saw in the eight man tag. It was, you know, you have your high spots, but it wasn't car crash derby, you know, and you know what? Even when you go back to the opening match for the Bucks, yeah, like that match had its spots, but they picked and chose their spots. Yes, Mm -hmm. of course, you're always going to get spots with the Young Bucks where both guys are in the ring and they're really kind of pushing that 10 count where somebody's supposed to get out. But they really presented that match and I think approached the match where they were trying to actually have like a legitimate wrestling match without trying to get too too over the top, too many dives, too many flips, too much of that stuff going on. And I think that the Bucks work better as heels. I mean, from from what we saw last night, um, that was one of their better matches, in my opinion. I think that the I beginning agree. of the match, they had some mat wrestling, some technical stuff going on. Luchasaurus, they worked the hot tag in with him. Um, and you still got your high spots that you'd want to see from the Young Bucks, and it all worked out. And they looked good doing it. And you know what? For, to their credit, Jungle Boy looked really good kicking out of a ton of those finishers at the end, too. He did. Which, you know, I... Some people are going to be critical of that too, but you know what? You got to make people look good somehow. They got if they're going to lose, they got to stand out in one way or another. They really did, and I believe that that match was very, very good. I guess you could call that the opening, seeing that the real opening match was the cinematic tooth and nail match. But are we ha- are we happy that made it to the main card now? For as as much as people were pushing for that, 
And, you know, I understand why, because they want the, they want equality and they want the women to get pushed more and they deserve to get pushed more. But this was not the best. This no, was not wasn't. very good. No, it wasn't. I mean, if I were to pick something from the bad list, that probably would be it. And, you know, I was one that praised Tony Khan for listening to his fans saying that they wanted that match on the main card. It got on the main card, but maybe, maybe we were wrong on that. And the fans can be wrong. And I know sometimes the wrestling fan is very, very vocal. And in this case, unfortunately, it was... You know, it just didn't deliver, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and that was one of the bads of this show. And the other thing you got to remember, so like I said, I don't know what people's expectations were going into that match, especially considering it was happening in a dentist's office. So if you were going going into this match expecting to see like a five-star classic match between these two, I think that that was the wrong approach to begin with. Of course. Um, but this whole thing about getting them on the main card wasn't so much about getting a classic match on the card. It was more about getting the women on the card and getting them the recognition that they felt like they deserve. So exactly. credit to Tony for doing that. Um, I don't think it's going to go down in the record books as like an amazing match, but at least they, at least they listened to the fans in that case. I will say a good plus with this, with that cinematic match though, is the fact that they did incorporate commentary on it where uh, WWE does not do that. And you kind of, you know, you know, going in it that it's the cinematic production, whereas AEW were presenting it as an actual match. So I, I'm okay with that, and I thought that was a nice touch to it. the The finish was interesting, having her get having Big Swole knock out Britt Baker with the the sleeping gas. So it, it worked, but it just wasn't exactly like the greatest thing ever, which. I think most people knew it wasn't going to be, but like you said, it got on the card. Now, another match that was very entertaining, should not expect it to be a five-star classic, Ralph, is the Mimosa Mayhem match. I thought this was an entertaining match. You know, again, not a five-star classic, but it did its job. I am surprised they actually pulled the trigger with Orange Cassidy getting the win here. I'm not. With, I mean, I thought, like I said on the preview, I thought Jericho would have submitted, but at the end of the day, he was going in the mimosa anyway. But the fact that they didn't even do that and not even protect Jericho in any way, shape, or form makes you, you know, they really have a lot of stock in Orange Cassidy, which I know okay. you love. So let's let's get into this discussion. Now I'm going to transition into my bad for the night. And we'll have this conversation, and then we can shift back into the main event. Hmm. This match with Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho, I think the match itself was fine. It was, I, I'll even go as far as saying it was good. It was a good match, okay? The thing, though, that I have a problem with is, you, you pointed this out, a lot of people are putting a lot of stock in Orange Cassidy. Yes, and what are. I want to know is, is that the right direction? Is this really the direction the company wants to go? Is this truly a guy that they see as becoming a megastar? And I've said all along, if there's one thing I've been critical of Orange Cassidy about, it has not been his wrestling ability. Because yet again, last night, he had a very good match with Chris Jericho. And I've never questioned that. I've never questioned his ability to go out there and have a good match. What I have questioned is, 
the decision to put him in this spot where he's going over a guy that is legitimately one of the best wrestlers of all time. Now, yep. credit to Chris Jericho, because even Mick Foley pointed this out, unselfish decision, trying to get a young guy over. And that's extremely important, especially in a company like AEW, as young as it is. So credit, cre- credit given where credit is due. Chris Jericho is trying to make stars. Yes, he is. Let me ask you this. Yep. Chris Jericho, as a former uh, champion, does this do anything for him? This feud, the way it's played out, knowing that he's lost two to one now, I think it's been, and now he's taken this bath and hang or whatever the hell it was, mimosa, some type of whatever. Does this do anything for his status in AEW? No. No. Now let me let me reply with a question. Okay. Does if he had won, would it would it have done anything for Chris Jericho had he no. won? No. And so, that, that, so why have so why have him win, knowing it does nothing for him win or lose, yet Orange Cassidy with the win helps him significantly beating someone with the resume like Chris Jericho. See, this this is where you and I are going to disagree because I don't think this does anything for for Orange Cassidy. He it puts a big win on his record. At the expense right. of Chris Jericho, who is a credible guy, who is the former heavyweight champion, who is now swimming in a vat of Tang for the simple th- for the simple sake of, I guess it being a meme or something going viral. Now, possibly, let me ask you these questions here. Go ahead. You think Orange Cassidy can go beat Moxley tomorrow? No. You think that Orange Cassidy can go beat Brody Lee tomorrow? No. Can he beat? Do you buy him as a legitimate contender to Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, Lance Archer, Brian Cage, any of those guys? No, not today. So what did this do for him? If it didn't get him, it gave him a big win. It gave him a big win. It gave him a big win. Same thing. Same thing that we saw with Keith Lee and Randy Orton. It's the same thing. No, 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 no. It's not the same thing because you can buy Keith Lee as a legitimate top star that can go out there and beat people because of his size and the way he carries himself. Orange Cassidy. This is, this is a guy that has a, a, a gimmick that people are into, that people want to see, that they'll pop for, that the average fan is not going to buy into going over those top guys that I mentioned. Imagine him going over a guy like a Lance Archer. And I know people are going to be like, oh, Ralph's being like Jim Cornette. No, I am not. Tell me that this guy can go into a wrestling ring and people are going to buy him going over any of those guys I mentioned. Do you even buy him going over a guy like Darby Allen or Sammy Guevara? Maybe. That might be a 50% thing there. That I could see. That I could see. So he's made it from lower mid card to mid card by going over uh Chris Jericho for this for for what you you've taken well, that, the guy one of the hottest guys works, Ralph that's how progression works you don't go from low low card to main event status unless you're Jinder Mahal that's the oh, only that's the only and time did any, that happens and, and did anybody buy Jinder Mahal as a legitimate contender or champion no but we're not saying he's a main eventer yet he could be a main eventer it has to start somewhere, so Ralph. You're, so, yeah, exactly. It has to start somewhere. So you're telling me at some point, all of those guys I mentioned, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega, at some point within the next year or two, we're going to buy Orange Cassidy as a legitimate contender who can beat those guys. Only time will tell. It depends on how he's booked. It depends on how his matches work. I mean, if the psychology of the match works, he could beat anybody. And that's the same whether you're Lance Archer, if you're Brian Cage, if you're Darby Allen, if you're Sammy Guevara, John Moxley, MJF. If the psychology of the match works, you could believe anybody could win a match. This is going to be very humbling for people because a it year from be. now, it's not going to happen. 
You you have sacrificed Chris Jericho, and like I said, all credit to Chris Jericho you didn't for, for sacrifice him. He's not sacrificing. The guy's swimming in a vat of tang. He looks like a buffoon. You're sounding like one of those people that say one loss is buried here. Chris Jericho. I'm not. There's a difference between taking a loss and getting pinned and looking like a fool sitting in a pool of, of orange shit. But we will see. Time will tell. I have I I I am confident in my estimation here that Orange Cassidy will not be the megastar that people are predicting he is going to be. Match itself, match is fine. And for everybody who's going to be like, oh, Ralph doesn't get it, this and that. Not questioning his wrestling ability, he had a great match. But I want somebody to tell me why they feel like this guy is going to be the next big thing in professional wrestling other than just saying, oh, well, you know, I went to an AEW show and he was really over. That's great. There's the most... People that ever went to an AEW show was what twelve thousand people, something like that. You're really, you're like really, that, yeah. really over with a certain subset of fan. Is he going to take you from, you know, AEW is really popular to megastar level? And why are you sacrificing Chris Jericho at that expense? We'll see. We'll see. But one guy that I think we can agree on has the potential to be a megastar. Ralph is MJF, and he proved that yes, last night at All Out. He really yeah. did. This main event delivered. This match between him and John Moxley was storytelling 101 and ring psychology 101. Yes, so obviously was. the story being told is MJF wants to keep the match in the ring. Moxley wants to get the match out of the ring. I thought that was told greatly. I think the fact that Wardlow being involved was told greatly, and especially with the finish where they uh, fumbled the dynamite ring, causing Oh, you know, the ref was distracted so Moxley could get the paradigm shift on. And you know on Wednesday, when Moxley's talking, MJF better interrupt him and tell him, listen, you did not win. I should be the AEW champion because you used that band move, the paradigm shift. So, great way to close the show. The fans, we, I mean, they were knocked out because of the high humidity. But they definitely delivered and were very invested in this match. And I think that's the credit of MJF doing what he can to draw that heat. And he is one of, if not the best in the business today in drawing that natural wrestling heat. Yeah, I, I got to agree. And, and this goes back to the point I made with the Young Bucks trying to pick and choose their spots and what we saw throughout the night. This, there was nothing flashy about this match. Straightforward, 101, psychology. You want to wrestle in the ring. He wants to wrestle outside of the ring. The fact that MJF got cut and was bleeding and all that stuff, especially given that he's supposed to be like this uh, snobby pretty boy type character. I think that worked well. Yep. Um, I love the ending, you know, not nothing overly crazy, not overbooked, nothing like that. It was straightforward. Um, Wardlow's face to his credit. Awesome. Yep. Great facials. Yep. Um, MJF, you know, I, I this it is protects him. It protects it him. It gives him an out. And, you know, I, I have no doubt that MJF is going to be a big star and he's not, he's going to, he will be the champion one day. I think the, the thing that gets me is this. So Archer right now, I think he's a legitimate contender. Mm -hmm. I still don't think he's going to beat Moxley, but let's just say he, he does take the belt off Moxley. I trust an MJF because of his charisma and his ability to go out there to cut promos and all that stuff to, elevate the company more than putting the belt on a dominant guy like Lance Archer. So right. if you were going to take a risk on a guy like Archer, if he does take the belt off Mox or MJF, why not do it with MJF? Because he does have that personality that can bring it to the next level. 
Um, but you know, he's still very young. And I think that was the story they were trying to tell. You're just not ready. At the end of the day, he got outsmarted by Moxley on no, more than one occasion. So right, as right. he becomes more experienced, he might get to that point where he is ready. And this is no different than real life sports. GSP once fought for a title and lost, and then he came back and dominated the, div- the division. So, um, you know, it, I, I understand people are upset about not seeing MJF win, but his time will come. His time will definitely come. And I think it is sooner rather than later, but I think you'd hit the nail on the head. Just the story being told, the facials with Wardlow were great. And it was a great way to cap off the show. This show, like we said, had a lot of good, but it also had a lot of bad, Ralph. And I think the the very dark cloud over this show that I think took a lot of people out of it for the majority of this show was the Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara broken rules match. Now, it surprisingly lasted nine minutes, according to Wikipedia. It probably should have lasted three minutes and 30 seconds or whatever it was that took them from the scissors lift to that spare through the table. Matt Hardy was clearly knocked out. Yep. Aubrey Edwards did the right thing, throwing up the X, calling the match. That match should have never continued. I don't care if Dr. Sampson said, okay, he's good to go. Edwards called for the bell. That match was over. They had an out for Matt Hardy. Even if he count him to 10 and lose, he had an out because he could not continue the match. Yeah. And you could have him come back. But they do this instead, and it looks so bad for them. Even Rebby Hardy goes on Twitter calling out all the wrestling and the doctors for this. And Twitter was going apeshit on this. Rightfully so. Rightfully, Rightfully so. so. I, I mean... As unfortunate as it is, these things do happen in professional wrestling. But, you know, to go back to what Taz says, you know, we don't run a sloppy shop. And you know what? Unfortunately, between that spot and then something else I'm going to get into, it really did look like they were running a sloppy shop yesterday. Yes, I, I do not think Matt Hardy should have been able to continue that match. I understand it's wrestling. There's storylines. You have to make it through the match, all of that type of stuff. It's not like the guy broke a rib or broke his arm or dislocated a finger or something like that. You pop it back in place and you gut it out guy was legitimately knocked out and it was really scary when i was watching that i honestly thought he broke his neck at first because he he went limp stiff as a board and you could tell like his face was getting like bright red and bluish it was it was a scary moment and you know i see people saying certain things about sammy guevara i don't think i necessarily put it on him because it was just an unfortunate situation where they overshot their landing you know they they missed the fucking table but i think at some point Somebody should have taken a longer look at that and said, you know what, should we have one table here, two table, three, however many tables you need to ensure that these people are going to land correctly like they did with the spot following that, which should have never, ever happened. That's what they should have done. They should have absolutely stopped this match. Shame on AEW for allowing it to go forward. Shame on the doctor for allowing it to go forward because I read, oh, well, you passed the concussion test. If the guy was legitimately knocked out, like they're saying he was knocked out, you cannot go into boxing. You cannot go into a UFC uh, octagon. You cannot go into a a football game, get knocked out, and then be able to go back into the game or into the fight and allowed to participate, especially given this guy's now expected to climb the scaffolding thing and knock Sammy Guevara off of it. Right. Shame on them. Shame on them. These are these these are individuals that put themselves at risk every single time they step in that ring. But to allow somebody to do that and not take them out of that situation and put and create further damage is just shameful. The right. other thing I'm going to point out here, 
not Matt Seidel because that botch was unfortunate and I actually feel bad for him because that is embarrassing. He'll overcome that. That's, yeah. th- that's, that's something you can't do anything about. The thing that they could have controlled is this. Your most over guy, the guy got, got the biggest pop the entire night was Darby Allen. Yep. Darby Allen was placed in a fucking body bag with thumbtacks and thrown outside of the ring. And I think his foot hit the, bo- the top rope and he, he landed on his neck or his head. And I don't know if he's legitimately hurt, but he could have been legitimately hurt. Yeah. If, you don't, if you're going to throw shade at the WWE and talk about running a sloppy shop, stop doing this stupid shit. That is a guy that is in, insanely over with your fan base. Somebody that you can literally build up to be your next champion or somebody that is a future champion, unlike somebody like Orange Cassidy, in my opinion, has legitimate ability to draw and connection. And you're putting him in a body bag to do a stupid spot in a stupid battle royal that makes no sense. Stop doing these things. This yep. is how you get people hurt. This is how you get disrespect within the industry. This is how you lose fans. And and it to me, it makes absolutely no sense. This is not 1990. This is not the Attitude Era. Look at Mick Foley. The guy's 50. He looks 70. And, and all the things that have gone on to him and all the studies that have gone on with CTE. I understand Darby Allen is a tough son of a bitch and he likes to do all this crazy shit. Credit to him for for his willingness to do that stuff. Stop doing this stuff. It's ridiculous. Yeah. One of your guys that could be your top star getting thrown in a body bag outside of the ring makes absolutely no sense. Right. And I know that body bag spot is one that he's done numerous times in the uh, in the independent scene. The Santa Indies anymore. This is the I, big time. Exactly. National exactly. TV. Pay-per-view. Right. right. And like... If you do the spot right, I don't think anybody's really talking about it, but obviously something went wrong with that. I I think he did probably land on either his head or his his neck. So something definitely went awry with that. And the thumbtacks thing, that that to me was the worst part because God forbid, you know, a thumbtack, you know, rolls around and on impact gets in his eye. There's a million, there's, a, that, there's so many things that could have gone wrong with that. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, it's not needed. It's right. not needed. You could no. have done that. You could have done that match. You could have used the thumbtacks. You could have even used the body bag, but to take it to the extreme where you're taking the guy and throwing him over the top rope where he can't break his fall. He can't see what's going on. I don't know what that does for anybody. I, I don't know. I agree. I agree. But overall, the casino battle Royale, I mean, some people are saying it was a little overbooked. Lance Archer does get the win, has five eliminations, including the final one with Eddie Kingston. Now, I've seen some people comment on this as whether or not Eddie Kingston was technically eliminated because when he went to the outside, he went through the bottom rope, but he was on top of the turnbuckle. So I don't know if that's considered going over the top. Sounds like a good promo lined up. It it does. It does seem like there could be a seed planted for that, and that was done with with reason. If they completely do not talk about that on Dynamite this Wednesday, that's a huge plot holes shown on this on this casino battle royale. Uh I think obviously a lot of eliminations had storyline in it involved with it. Uh, Will Hobbs, who was one of the randoms that were thrown into this show, had a very good showing, I think. Great spine this. buster. Yeah. He, very I said good. that the last time he had a match. Great fucking spine buster. Yeah. I, I think uh, AEW needs to sign that kid. 
get him, you know, if he needs a little bit more training. I, he doesn't look like he needs it, but he needs he to can, learn how to go over the top rope. Did you see that? that was, yeah. That was, he literally like sloth style just oh. Yeah, it was that was bad. But I think in ring wise, the guy has a lot of potential. He's got a good size. He he's a he's a blue chipper. He's a blue chipper when it comes to it. You know, as Jim uh, Ross would say. And you want to get into that? Oof. Commentary. Commentary was definitely a bad tonight. And it was mainly Jim Ross. Jim Ross was he had his moments of good, but when it was bad, it was bad, Ralph. And I thought that, it was I thought it was bad the entire night. Yeah. I thought it, I thought it started on dynamite and it carried over to the pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, and of course, people are talking about his his sexist comment about Anna Jay wishing that she had a wardrobe malfunction. And then he, you know, he apologizes on Twitter, following it up with the line, lighten up, fellas. I mean, I get it, but it's 2020. People are a lot more sensitive than they were in the Attitude Era, you know, where, you know, he was, he sounded like Jerry the King Lawler. During the Attitude Era, where he was like, puppies, yeah. woohoo! It, it's 2020. That, that shit doesn't fly in professional wrestling. The women are much more respected in the industry. As they, they should be. As they should be. They're a lot more talented. I, I shouldn't say they're a lot more talented, but they're treated more like athletes. And they, you know, they're, they're not, they shouldn't be sexualized. I get it if like it's the the character like a Scarlet Bordeaux for example that's her character and that works for her but like to just say oh Anna Jay's attractive let's get a wardrobe malfunction out you know those little yeah slips from Jr it's it's not good not good yeah at all. And, and you know I'll even I'll even go one step further here I I think Jim Ross and Tony Giovanni are too busy trying to get a laugh at, out of each other and telling jokes on commentary, especially given matches where they shouldn't be doing that type of stuff. You want to mm-hmm. do some ha-ha and some comedy relief, especially during a match like the one with Big Swole and Britt Baker. Well, okay, that's fine. But Sheeta and Thunder, Thunder Rosa. Rosa, that match I felt like was really an opportunity for them for, to, to try and get the old JR, to try and get some type of legitimacy legitimacy to the match build up credibility of the two to two women involved in the match and i felt like they didn't do that i felt like they avoided that at all costs jim ross is either talking about food or cooking for this person or his barbecue sauce especially on dynamite he's always trying to talk about picture in picture and leading into the the commercial break just sucks at that but here's the thing that that's the one thing i noted i mean credit to to excalibur because he was the one that actually knew it but why, they pointed out the, that Thunder Rosa would be a triple champion, right? Mm-hmm. Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone didn't even know that. Like, do your uh, homework, dude. To, to, their, to their credit, I don't think a lot of people even knew but that. But they have to know that. They're, I the agree. Com- they're the commentary team. Like, do your research. If Excalibur knows it, they should know it too. So credit to Excalibur because a lot of people are critical of him, but at least he takes the time to get invested in the product so he can accurately and intelligently speak on behalf of the wrestlers. Now, with Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone, it's too much haha. It's too it's it's like the tonality is totally off. Like I want somebody that's going to be passionate on there so that way when an important match comes up, when it's high stakes, it feels important. Go pay more Ronaldo whatever he wants and bring him in. And I, I, I love Jim Ross, but maybe the time has passed. And Tony Schiavone, 
is good sometimes when the, those two are together it's like there's too much joking going on and it doesn't match the importance of the match and it takes away from it do you think they need like you said let's you know try to split Shivani and Jim Ross do you think it would be better to have Shivani maybe be the play-by-play guy you have Excalibur there as the guy that knows all the stuff in the indie scene so he can help you with the new talent. But then you have a guy like Taz in yeah. place of Jim Ross. Because you already know the chemistry between Taz and Excalibur is good. Yep. Excalibur and Tony Schiavone were, were good on the pre-show. So do you take Jim Ross out and put in Taz or Chris Jericho? I think Chris Jericho's too comedic. I think, you know, for, for what you're trying to do with the commentary, I think Jericho might not be the best bet. But what about yeah. Taz? That could work. Any anybody that's going to get away from the more comedic stuff and not to, and take away from the match, that's what they need to do. Yeah, and Taz definitely does that. And when he was in the <clears throat> when he was on commentary for the Casino Battle Royale, you know, he was trying to be a commentator, but also it was like very Bobby Heenan esque when one of his guys were in the match yeah. that he's commentating. Not not to that level of Bobby the Brain Heenan, but that delivery was like you know. Calling the match, but at the same time, when something happens bad to Cage or Starks, he's like, oh, damn, damn it, it happened. Yeah. Like, got him eliminated. So, good there. But I think we covered the whole show. Like I said, a lot of good, a lot of bad. Did the bad outweigh the good, or did the good outweigh the bad, Ralph? I think the, well, the, the bad was really bad, but I think overall the good was good enough to make this a solid pay-per-view. Unfortunately, because of the situation with Matt Hardy, that's really going to put a damper on things for a lot yep. of people. And it was a very long pay-per-view. So I think overall, this is probably like a good solid B minus because the matches from Sheeta on were all good. They were all solid. They all delivered. Um, just a couple minor things here and there that unfortunately didn't work. So, you know, I, I, I thought overall it was a good show. I agree. I, I, I tweeted out after the show on our Twitter page at SCPB Podcast. I think this was easily AEW's worst pay-per-view they've ever thrown. But I think that's fair. But when you think about it, they've had so many good pay-per-views yeah. that even an average to slightly above average pay-per-view like this one was is going to stand out because it wasn't that knock out of the park. There wasn't like that amazing match that you're going to remember for you know time and time to come like revolution had bucks versus omega and and hangman page full gear had moxley and omega all out last year you could say cody and sean spears yeah. um you know there, there dustin was, and cody dustin and cody at double or nothing this show i don't think had that memorable match now you could say page and omega versus ftr could have been that um, maybe Moxley and MJF, but at the same time, I, I don't think any of those really match up to any of the great matches from previous pay-per-views. And like you said, the Matt Hardy spot killed the momentum of this, of this show. Now it wasn't great heading into it. The Bucks and Jurassic Express match was good, but that was really it. And then heading right. into that, that spot really put a dark cloud. The crowd was dead due to the high humidity. Although when they were on, they were on. So I, I agree with you. Something like a B minus B plus range for this pay-per-view easily their worst pay-per-view, but wasn't a bad pay-per-view to say the least. Right. And that could be just a curse from Tony Khan saying that double or nothing was better than WrestleMania. So karma had to rear its head and, ha- and have it so that SummerSlam was better than all out. 
That's that's how yeah. I see it. But what do you guys think of All Elite Wrestling All Out? Let us know in the comments below. Don't forget to share us all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SCPB Podcast. And for news, reviews, and conversations on pro wrestling, subscribe, hit that bell for notifications, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psychobabble.